The world of startups venture is so small. It's like everyone knows of everyone in the ecosystem. Most venture jobs out there aren't going to be posted anywhere on the internet. So it's like, you know, word of mouth talking to folks and being like, oh, you know, anyone who's hiring. The goal for these events is okay. A year later, two years later, they're figuring out ways to work together because that's kind of what networking is about. Hi, everyone. I'm Taiki, and you're listening to New to Venture. It's the show that uncovers the secret world of venture capital from the multi billion dollar exits to the biggest company blow ups. If you don't know much about VC, you've come to the right place. It's time to get hyped because today, the one and only Jonathan Chang has joined us on the show. If you're in Gen Z and interested in venture capital, you've probably heard of him. He created Gen Z Scouts, a program that helps non-target students, so students not in the Ivy League, Stanford, or MIT, um, helps those students break into venture capital. He created SFIRL, a newsletter for all the top tech startup and VC events in San Francisco, which I heavily relied on when I was out there for two months last year. Uh, he's one of the OG venture capital TikTok content creators with over 11,000 followers. He works at Brex as an XIR, which is such a unique and rare position, hosting events and building community for founders and funders. We'll go into that a little bit later. Um, and on top of all of that, he runs a syndicate called Daydream Ventures, investing in some of the most exciting companies at the earliest stage. I'm so excited to have you on the pod. Jonathan Chang, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on this podcast, excited to be, you know, talking about my story, talking to all the listeners out there who are trying to break into venture themselves and really just, you know, give off my experience just because I know, you know, venture is a place where everyone has like the craziest experiences of how they got into venture and startups, not, and everyone's is so different. So excited to share my perspectives. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. But before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that this whole podcast probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for you. So let's rewind a little bit here. So about a year ago, I'm not even sure if you remember this, but I started working at the Venture City, which is a VC firm based in Miami and Madrid. And um, I was before I even got that position, I was already planning to go to L.A. for a music festival that my friends and I had bought tickets for. But it happened to overlap with L.A. Tech Week. So I had like a free night before the festival. So I took a look at the events in like the LA Tech Week website. And I saw this like insane mansion party in Beverly Hills at the old Hype House. So maybe you're, you're connecting the dots here, but I told my manager about it to Oliver, um, who you know very well and who I've worked with for the past year. Um, and I'm actually recording with him in a few weeks as well. So anyway, uh, I told my manager about it and he goes like, yeah, my homie is actually hosting that event. And that one was you. That person was you. So at that event, it was, I, I'm not sure if I recall correctly, but it was like pretty exclusive. There was like a list of over, you know, a wait list of over 3,000 people maybe. Um, and, but because you were friends with Oliver, I was able to get in, right? This very new, new kid into venture was able to get in. Um, and so, by the way, this was the most like glamorous event that I'd ever been to. It was like, I had to take photos, like I... Uh, took a picture in front of like the Hollywood pool thing that you see on YouTube all the time. Uh, we'll get into that later. But anyway, that was the first time that I'd met you in person, of course, but also the first time that I met Michelle, who you know really, really well. So uh, we had like 
talked for the first time there and we kept in touch. And when I went to SF to live there for two months, um, we, we met up and got coffee and I told her about the podcast idea. And the biggest problem was that I didn't know what my niche was because I really didn't know much about the venture space. I didn't feel like I had any, anything that I could provide to the VC community intellectually. And Michelle, and Michelle literally says, well, maybe your niche is that you're new. Like you're learning with everyone and that you have the perspective of someone who isn't experienced. And a year later, here we are now. So crazy, crazy stuff. That's amazing. And I do remember that really, really well. Um, I'm actually meeting up with Oliver in New York next week. So uh, we'll tell him that in person. But yeah, because I remember when we were basically, I think this was even before I met you, Oliver was like, oh, I met this really cool kid. I want to hire him at the city. And I was like, oh, sick, you know, and I was like, and I think I met you like the week before he met you. And I was like, oh, sick. I was like, I know him. Um, He's super, super great. Definitely should hire him. And basically that led to this and then meeting you in person in L.A. and this whole podcast. So that's crazy to think about. And it's also crazy to think that was like a year ago. Yeah, it, the ripple effect is unreal. And I feel like you caused that ripple effect for many different people by hosting these amazing events. But I guess it really it really goes to show how tight and well-connected the world of startups and VC is. And even within like the Gen Z community of startups and VC, very well-connected, everyone separated by maybe one or two degrees. Exactly. Um, it's like this. It's like the world of startups venture is so small it's like everyone knows of everyone in the ecosystem most of the time um for example today i had a guy who messaged me he was like oh i got a friend that you might be interested in chatting with he's at this company and i'm like oh this is sick and i was like in my mind i'm like wait i also have a friend who actually just joined this company as well and i was like what's this guy's name it turned out like we both knew him and i was like okay you know it's super super small or it's like, you know, you're in San, or it's like, I think San Francisco is a really interesting um, city because it's like, you go meet someone, you're new, say you're new to the city, you don't know a single person, you somehow get a coffee chat with an investor, a founder, or any, anyone who's just plugged in the ecosystem. And then they're like, okay, cool, you know, um, you're, you're like, you know, you had a conversation, they'd be like, oh, hey, you're pretty cool. You should meet XYZ, XYZ people. And they would, you know, sometimes intro you to them on the spot. And it's happened, you know, multiple times where it's like, oh, I met someone. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. You're pretty cool. Let me intro you to someone who I think you'd vibe with. Texted them same day and they literally met up with them in the same day. So it's like a very super small ecosystem. And it's like, it's big, but also small at the same time. Yeah. What, what's interesting is that I've found that to almost be like a double edged sword. So because the community is so small, I, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of warm introductions to people, right? Like, oh, uh, it's almost like a layer of like credibility or like, um, like sort of like a vibe check, right? So, oh, I know this person and you're close friends with this person. And that happens a lot, right, in startups in DC. But on the other hand, I've always been really concerned about giving off a really bad first impression and then having that spread so like i'm always like really conscious about how i present myself for for better or for worse i'm not sure if you agree with that but it's something that i've definitely experienced i agree no it is because it's like yeah warm intros mean hey you're vetted by some person and at the same time you know some person is 
putting their reputation at stake for introing you to whoever it is. So it's like, A, they need to hold you in some sort of regard there in order for you, them to actually make that intro. You know, because it's like, you don't want to intro like people who you're like, eh, this person was okay. I didn't like them or anything like that to someone that you knew really well. Because then it's like, oh, why are you introing some randos, you know, that aren't a good fit? And it's hard, you know, it's a hard place to be where it's like, how do you choose what type of people to intro you to? And, you know, venture is very similar because it's like, oh, you talk to companies who are introed by VCs and the bar that, you know, of these companies is always a little bit higher than a company who reaches out cold DM, you know, some of the times that's how it is. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, anyway, uh, we've got a little bit off track here. Um, and so my story time is over with that whole, um, Rex Hollywood Hills yeah. event, but I just wanted to let you know that, um, You've helped me out more than you could even imagine. So I really appreciate it. Um, so going into some of the topics that I wanted to cover, um, I'm not sure where I saw this. Maybe it was a, uh, maybe a year ago on your TikTok, but I was also one of your OG TikTok followers, by the way. Um, and you were like, you it. and like three yeah. or four other people. Like I use TikTok primarily for <laughs> VC recruiting. Like I didn't use it for fun. Um, so I think I saw a TikTok that you had made about your journey into venture capital. And you talked a little bit about how you originally wanted to work in, in film and entertainment, right? Um, what, what's, what's the story there? Yeah, I guess going back into UCLA. So when I went to UCLA, I was a, came in as like a business economics major, like every student who was interested in business. Um, found out really quickly, I think literally 10 weeks into UCLA, I was like, all right, econ is a lot more boring than i thought who it'd be and then i also joined like some hedge fund club and i was like i don't want to do investment banking slash like hedge fund stuff because you just sit at a desk look at spreadsheets all the all day and like you know do a crazy excel um and i'm like you know i don't think that's something that i want to do um took me a while to figure out kind of what i wanted to do transition from that to be the stats major because I was like, all right, I was a huge fan of baseball, a huge fan of Moneyball at the time. And I'm like, you know, maybe I want to be like a serum Um, And did that, joined a few orgs on campus, you know, some like startup orgs on campus that was kind of like, hey, you know, these are, this is startups. You know, I knew what startups were. Two of my cousins, you know, who are about like 10 plus years older than me, both were startup founders. So you know, I grew up knowing about like, oh, Silicon Valley, or I grew up in Silicon Valley, but knowing about startups out here was, you know, definitely something that was a less of a learning curve for me just because it wasn't like, oh, what is startups? You know, what is venture capital? Um, at that time, though, freshman year me, I didn't really know what venture capital was until, you know, I had friends in college who were older than me. They're all now like, I think like founders and VCs. And uh, working at a few other firms was like, hey, you should check something out called venture capital. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, I put it on the back burner because I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go into venture capital. But I was like, all right, put this on the back burner. I also did a lot of film, television, just because being in UCLA, being in Hollywood, it's something that you have to do. Um, growing up, I would watch, you know, like, you know, Ryan Higo, Wong Fu, Jumba, 
you know, the classic Asian YouTubers. Um, and be and they all came, you know, like Wong Fu came from SoCal, like UC San Diego. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but really quick, I just want to say that like Wong, like I, I grew up on the East Coast, right? And so it's been like, I uh, you know, 10, 10 years in New York City. My parents went to Jersey, and I went to high school in Brooklyn. So I've like been in the area for a long time. And because of Wong Fu and Ryan Giga, I had been so obsessed with the West Coast. Right. Like I, I just always wanted to spend I wish I grew up there. I wish I grew up in the West Coast, specifically like L.A. or the Bay Area. Um, so what the people that you're mentioning really like had a big impact on me growing up. So it's so great to hear. Anyway, sorry, you were you were saying. Yeah, no, um, that's amazing. I feel like Wong Fu, all these YouTubers impacted so many of us, you know, growing up. But it's like, hey, you know, they shot all their videos like the 626, you know, very close to LA. So I was kind of inspired to be like, hey, I'm in LA, you know, like to film and all that fun stuff. Did that for a while until I guess my senior year, I was like, okay, film is fun, but I don't think I'm, you know, gonna have that much creativity to be like, hey, I'm gonna work in film be creative all the time 24 7 which is kind of i'm like okay it's fun but i want i'll do something else and actually you know my first foray into like startups actually was an adventure i was a data scientist at this company called yumi um they did um baby food which is really really interesting uh just raised their series b like not too long ago but when i was there it was just like a house and there was like probably 25 folks in that house uh working for fun um thought i was gonna do that you know post-grad and i was like yeah you know this place is really cool until i basically you know was working there and it was you know working there from like december 2019 to you know march 2020 hits and they're like all right you know at certain times we're gonna let you know a lot of people go and i'm like all right Time to figure out what I'm going to do next, which at that point, I'm like, I have no clue what I'm going to do next. But I was okay because, you know, like a lot of the 2020 grads, I was like, all right, I have three months before I graduate. None of my friends have jobs. You know, half of them got their jobs rescinded. So I'm going to go figure it out with all these other folks on like what I want to do. And at the same, also at the same time, it's like, all right, you know, I'm not that worried because, hey, if all my friends don't have jobs, you know. I'm okay. in the same. Yeah, it's okay. If everyone else had jobs and not me, that would be. Um, I ended up applying to pretty much every single job out there. Um, from literally from like operation roles, analytics roles, a lot of like data science, mm-hmm. data analytics roles. At, at startups few, or like, just like any any company. I didn't have anywhere. Um, just hoping something would hit. Um, a lot of tech roles and some like film, TV roles like Lionsgate, NBC, um, Ulu, a few other places. And then some roles that I applied to was like venture capital. So I was still interested in venture. I liked doing venture. Um, I was a venture scout for this org my senior year called Ground Up Ventures. Um, and I was like, you know, venture could be something I really want to do. Um, so I applied to a lot of these venture roles. And thankfully... The week after I graduated, got an offer from this fund called Good AM Ventures. Uh, they've now rebranded to be called Valhalla Ventures out in San Francisco and Miami. Raised $66 million, I think, last year. So left before that. But at that point, it was like before Fund One doing SPVs. And it was a really great opportunity to just learn because before that, I was like, yeah, 
interning at a venture fund slash kind of I would say like scouting for a venture fund is very different from, you know, actually being at a venture fund and seeing what it's like there. So when I was there, it was like, okay, doing due diligence, sourcing companies, helping existing portos out, creating material for LPs since they were raising at the time. And I just seen that whole big picture from like basically the whole side of venture, not even just doing deals but like the back office side was really interesting just because you don't see that too often and as someone who really just came into the workforce as well I'm like oh I kind of assume everything's kind of like this and I'm like oh I kind of understand a lot more but you know going forward now it's like oh and a lot of VC associates analysts don't know that back office side of venture at all which is really interesting to see but that was really fun was there for about three months um working until I got an offer from GSV and GSV was a big fund, you know, now they're on fund three, almost a billion dollars assets under management. And how I got GSV was really, really interesting actually. So I interviewed at GSV in March, 2020, right before COVID. Um, and then they're like, Hey, you know, COVID we're going to, you know, kind of cut things off right there. And during the summer on I, let me think. It was on the accelerated Slack channel. It was founded by the Moore twins who are now, I think, both at Andreessen. Um, but it was really good Slack. I got, it was very valuable during that time. And someone at GSV had posted like this internship role for like, um, they, I, they were, I don't even know what the internship role was, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me reach out to them. Thankfully, the recruiter who was recruiting remembered me at the time and I was like, oh yeah, happy to intro and got introed to um, this person, Anita Ramon, who would eventually be my boss. But she was like, hey, we're doing this GSV bootcamp. We're doing videos. And just so happened, we needed someone to like edit the videos, cut the videos and, you know, create like this whole And I was like, oh, I know exactly how to do it. So I was doing that during the summer when I was still working at Gudan. Just because I was like, I good am. I was getting paid. GSV was pay me, pay me like some money, but not a lot. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I did this, you know, for three months, and then at the same, you know, at that time, GSV was like, hey, an associate position opened up. Let me know if you're interested. And I'm like, sure, I'd love to be a part of it. So I didn't really have an interview with GSV. It was just like, all right, cool. We've seen you work before. Uh, we'll teach you everything you need to know. And I started October 2021 at GSV, and that was kind of like my break into venture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many things that I want to touch upon there. Um, I guess for starters, right, you said you had found the, the job posting through Accelerated, which is this newsletter, right? Um, well, And they also like created a Slack channel to go yeah. along with it. And I, I feel like there have, there's been, since then, a lot of Slack channels re regarding helping people break into venture capital. So I was on the very tail end of it before. I think you can you can tell me that I'm wrong here, but at a certain point, it, it was kind of feeling like it was getting diluted, right? There were so many people coming in, and um, it was it was almost to a point where um, no one was really posting anything because they felt like this wasn't the right channel anymore. Um, so I guess the question there is you, you ran and you still run Gen Z scouts, yeah. right? 
Have you found something similar to be happening within your Slack? It's interesting. Um, in my Slack, I've seen, you know, the spurts of folks because we only have, you know, it's like Accelerated has like a few thousand folks. Um, same with Gen Z VCs. I think it's like 30,000 folks versus Gen Z uh, scouts. I think we only have like about 150 or less members in our Slack channel. So it's a little bit different because it is more curated. But occasionally we have students post like, hey, someone I know is hiring for XYZ role because a lot of like students post Gen Z scouts become VCs. A lot of them become founders as well. So they know other founders who are like hiring for startup gigs, venture gigs, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that gets posted a lot in our Slack channel. Mm, gotcha. Okay. And and kind of going back to what you were saying about how there wasn't really like a formal interview process. You just ended up just getting that role at GSV because you had talked to them before already. I feel like that's kind of the nature of VC recruiting. There's a lot of these backdoor roles, and really quickly, I'm not going to go on for too long, but um, I there were a few roles where I had like referrals from like the CEO and the CFO of like a venture fund, or I will have referrals from like five or six people on the team, um, and then I won't get the role. And there's also other roles where I will I will just send an application and go through like a formal interview process. And, and it wasn't too difficult or wasn't too special and I'll end up landing it. So it seems like VC recruiting is, is a lot more luck based than other forms of recruiting or other, other job markets. Uh, please, yeah. if you, if you agree or disagree, let me know. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think it's a really weird process of venture recruiting. You know, I think you said it right. You know, there's times where you get, it's like, you know, the warm intros versus the cold int- applies. I will say a lot of the warm intros do eventually lead to interviews. So at least you get the foot in the door versus like if you're applying cold, it's like, okay, um, you're applying cold. You have to, you know, figure out your fingers are crossed to even get an interview. So it's like, you know, warm intros are great, not for like getting a job, but like getting that first interview step. Uh, something I saw recently that was really interesting actually yesterday was, I don't know if you know, Caffeinated Capital. Um, they are a venture fund out of SF and they're really interesting where they have something called scout funds. So um, where they have like scout fund four, scout fund five, where if scouts, you know, one full-time person to be like, here's $20 million, go write checks on whatever you want, no proof go have fun it's a full-time job um and uh the managing partner raymond posted about this on twitter yesterday he was like we're hiring two scout fund managers um and the application was please get a warm intro from someone in our network that's it you know like nothing else like no apply here you know uh, you know apply but it was like please get a warm intro from someone in our network and it, you know it's why that is, you know, you have some level of getting vetted from someone in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if you've heard the story of how I even found the portal for the Venture City application, yeah. but no. like it was, yeah. So like Oliver, I think he was really smart about this, but uh, I don't think he he like posted using the Venture Cities like LinkedIn or anything yeah. like a larger platform. He on his Twitter made his own like type form. And he just posted it on his Twitter. 
And yeah. he told this other person, Ryan Foss, who also worked oh, with you yeah. at Brex at some time. He was time, at Brex, right? yeah. Uh -huh. um, Lindsay, this is going to go into the ripple effect again, but um, I had met Ryan, or Ryan had hosted a Brex event in Boston. And so that's where I went to college. And so I didn't see him at the event, but I knew he hosted it. So I reached out to him. <laughs> and so we like started talking a little bit and he's like, yeah, let's keep in touch. And the next thing I know, I see that he reposts something from Oliver. I didn't know Oliver at the time. And that was the application to work at the Venture City. So it was this sort of secretive portal that you had to know someone. You had to either know Oliver directly or know someone who vouched for Oliver, right? So, um, and then in the end, I went through the application process. There's like four rounds of interviews. It was pretty intense, but I really, I had a great time. Um, and that's how I ended up getting the role. And so that job is not posted on LinkedIn or Glassdoor or any of the other platforms. So I feel like a big part of VC recruiting is, of course, networking and knowing the right people, but also knowing where to look. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, yeah, you described it accurately. Most venture jobs out there aren't going to be posted anywhere on the internet. So it's like, you know, mm -hmm. word of mouth talking to folks and being like, oh, you know, anyone who's hiring and people would be like, yeah, actually, you know, this fund just closed. You know, you should work here that, you know, regular people won't see on the Internet. Right. Absolutely. And so for someone who is completely going into wanting to learn more about venture capital, get it, get that internship. Uh, what would you say to someone who's really trying to break in but has no prior connections? What's the strategy to land that first role? Yeah, like land a first internship or a first full-time role. It's a good question. I think this, we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, what do VC analysts and associates do? And it's like two things. One is source deals, you know, find new deals. Two is talk to early stage startups, do due diligence, you know, do market maps and all that stuff. I kind of have a theory that like, you know, for VC analysts, uh, market maps, interesting, due, due diligence, very interesting. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like a lot of like writing investment memos and all that stuff is kind of going out the door, especially with AI. You know, it's like, oh, AI, right? Like an investment memo. Of course, you know, we'll have like analysts do like due diligence, you know, like dig deep to companies. But like a lot of the writing memos part or anything is A, something that could be replaced by AI, B, something that you can teach anyone how to do. So it's not special. It's not something that's like, oh, you're a great writer, you know. I will hire you just because of that. Um, but being like a really great venture analyst, an associate getting a job and advancing your career is two things. One is A, being able to talk to people really well, being able to sell people really well, because at the end of the day, venture is like just glorified sales. Um, you're selling you know, if you're an analyst, you're selling your GPs on why you should invest in this company. If you're a GP, you're selling LPs on why you should they should give you money for a fund. You're selling founders on why they should take your money. Everything's a sale. Um, and at the same time, kind of looking at it, um, it would be when you look at venture capital, the best VC analysts and associates who ended up starting their own funds and whatnot had unique deal flow. It's something that is not something that's learnable. You know, if I'm comparing a, if I'm comparing two applicants, applicant A, applicant B, both of them, you know, might not have had venture experience, which is okay. But if one of them was like, oh, 
I've met all these founders because of this unique network of me networking with them, getting, you know, becoming friends with them and all that stuff. Versus another one be like, hey, I haven't really done anything outside of venture capital club in college, did investment memo writing, whatever, all that stuff. You choose Applicant mm. A. We've had mm. actually talking to founders and knowing founders because that's how you get really great deal flow. That is unique, A, first of all, and B, it's something that you can't teach, you know? It's very, it's very, uh, it's very soft skills heavy. I, I want to tie this back into venture capital guy TikTok. Was that originally like part of the strategy was to get more differentiated deal flow and use TikTok as a means to have that differentiated deal flow? Yeah, honestly, not really. So um, I made this. It wasn't like, a, oh, I'm going to do TikToks. It was kind of a, hey, this is peak pandemic. I'm at home. I'm in, I'm literally in the office at GSV or at home because you couldn't go out at that time. It was like October 2021 still. Um, and basically, I was like, okay, I'm bored. I want to do something. I was doing like how to make... I was on TikTok already. I was doing like how to make kombucha videos on TikTok, which didn't really do well. And at one point, I was like okay, what if I try venture? You know, don't know too much yet because I was just very new, but I'm like, I'll try it out. Got like, I think 2,000 views and I'm like, oh my God, I've never had a video hit over 100. This is huge. Um, And started doing more and more like venture capital content. That did really well and kind of segmented into a few things. One was like the deal flow aspect. You know, you meet companies on TikTok, but I will like to say, most of the companies on TikTok are not great companies. Um, to date, I've only invested in one company that I've met off TikTok um, called Copy AI that has done actually really, really well. Uh, and that was really early on. After that, I don't think I've met a really great company on TikTok yet. There's like a lot of, because it's like, you know, the demographics for TikTok are like, 15 year olds who are looking at startups for like a little bit older folks. And it was like, you know, I get a lot of videos that are like, oh, we're doing this gaming music thing. Got to sign an NDA first. And I'm like, all right, no, I'm not good. I'm not even going to touch them. Uh, like very unserious founders, or it's like just founders who don't know what they're doing, kind of trying to explore, which is all right. Um, and at the same time, outside of deal flow, I had a lot of kids ask me questions about. It's like, hey, I go to insert random school I never heard of here. I'm very interested in entrepreneurship. I've done XYZ. And when you get into venture, you get a lot of requests from students being like, hey, I love to talk to you about venture capital. And I remember when I said, I'm like, oh my God, this is so exciting. People want to reach out to me to talk about venture. And then one of my friends at UCLA, who was also in venture, was like, all right, you're going to get tired of this in like, you know, um, a year or something. And I'm like, nah, well, nowadays it's like definitely the case where it's like, well, other times it's like, I do want to talk to all these folks, but I'm like, I don't have the time or the energy to talk to folks because for VCs, you have to realize they're on calls pretty much every day, like nine to five on calls and calls get really tired. And they rather have like a 30 minute break, an hour break over, you know, slotting in another student who might not be useful to them later. And it's kind of sad to say this because it's like, I personally want to help as many students as I can, but sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm tired. I can't, you know, I don't need to do this, uh, which is interesting. 
But I started getting a lot of these and started talking to a lot of students. And I was like, okay, what if I just found a way to combine everything together into one program and started Gen Z Scouts from TikTok? Uh, our first cohort, which started in January 2021, or yeah, 2021, yeah, 2021 was literally, I think, 80% through TikTok. It was like me making TikTok videos like, hey, anyone want to do venture? If so, I have a program for you. Had a cool cohort of like 35 folks, I believe, people who I still talk to this day that gone through the cohort. But it was crazy because I was like, dude, hey, I have no clue what I'm doing. Um, I've never you know, I get into the first and I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna be interesting. But I think what worked really well for us was one, the world was still in lockdown. So the you know, in class was still not in session, you know, class was locked down. So the best thing to do was just go join random Zoom calls um and learn. And B, I feel like a lot of people were really interested in venture in twenty twenty one. So it was an interesting cohort. I was just bringing in folks from Venture to talk about, you know, VC. And we kind of just didn't have an agenda, kept going and going until like people stopped showing up. And I was like, all right, you know, I think we're done with the first cohort. And then started doing like more cohorts after that. We just um, about, I believe, May this year, we hit cohort number seven. Didn't do a cohort uh, this fall just because I was just traveling a lot. And I was like, I don't have time to do this go for but we'll resume again uh next year like end of junior which is gonna be really fun yeah so in our introduction right in the introduction to you uh there's like sfirl there's gen z scouts there's like venture capital guy on tiktok there's the brex position which we haven't even touched upon yet um and daydream right so all these are all happening basically simultaneously but it seems like there's a lot of synergy between all the different jobs. So I'm not exactly sure where I want to go with this. I think there's so many different ways we can talk about building brand, right? Cause you're hosting events and your, your face is on TikTok and your face is on Gen Z scouts and you're building a brand about educating. Um, and there's also like the, the investing side, right? Like your syndicate literally like needs deal flow to find companies to invest in. Um, so, I just got to ask, like, how, how do you do it? You're doing all these five amazing things and you're traveling all the time. What, how does, how is it even possible? It's a good question. And I think it's this, you know, I think everything I'm doing, it's kind of like a flywheel where everything kind of supports everything else that I'm doing in terms of this. It's like, okay, I'm at Brex, you know, doing community for founders, investors, and GPs. That will help whatever I'm doing at Age Ventures in terms of, oh, I meet really cool founders. I meet LPs that will eventually, you know, support and all that stuff. At Daydream Ventures, similar with Brex, I meet a lot of founders that I shuttle to Brex to get them onto Brex. Um, get them to events and all that stuff. Gen Z Scouts is a really interesting portion where, okay, meet these really cool students who eventually will become the next generation of founders, VCs and whatnot that will kind of go into both of these places. SFRL is interesting because I promote all my Brex events on SFRL as well. So it's really good brand building for Brex as well. Um, so it's really kind of this whole circle of like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of things, but at the end of the day, everything that I do connects to everything else. Mm -hmm. Are you a, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, it's a good question. So I'm definitely 
kind of a mix of both. It's basically when I talk to people and, um, you know, whether it be an events, one-on-ones, I'm super excited to talk to all these people and really excited just to be like, oh, this is really great. Then when I'm home by myself, I am basically like, okay, um, I'm tired. I don't want to meet anyone until I get another event. And I'm like, I have time to go meet people. You know, sometimes you dread it. You're like, I don't really want to do this. But then you get to the event, you're like, oh my God, something just turned on. And you start wanting to talk to people. So I think it's a good balance. It's like, I definitely can't do events 24-7. And at the same time, you know, if I'm just home by myself, I basically will you know kind of you know be like oh i want to do something i'm bored at home mm. so it's kind of a mix of both that's so interesting yeah i i feel like this the same i feel like i'm the same way there's definitely a certain energy that i am like invigorated with when i have a good talk with a founder or a vc right yeah. it, there's something about the potential of like this blooming relationship that gets me so excited um, but at the same time if you host all these events, right? So like the, the big way that I began to build my network was literally going to these networking events, finding the person that was not talking to anybody, going right up to them, putting my hand out, hi, Taiki, nice to meet you, right? Doing that for months on end, maybe two events per week. That's how I started. Um, and a lot of those can be exhausting for sure. For sure, very exhausting. So I, I definitely relate. I, I kind of want to go back into... Yeah dive deeper into this building community with Brex position that you have here. So from a year ago, right? We, you, I met you at this hype house, Beverly Hills mansion, right? And since then, and even before then you've been hosting events. I think I met you in an event in San Francisco one time by the water. I um, think so. That was a right? while yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what were what were some of the key learnings that you've had through your time with Breck so far about building community, hosting events? What's what's been the secrets that's been helping you be so successful? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's interesting. I think due to you know, when I started doing events at Brex, this was like the beginning of twenty twenty two where there wasn't many events to begin with. There was like, you know, a few events here and there, but no one was really doing events. Fast forward to like end of last year, people start to do more events. Fast forward to this year, there's like 40 events every single week. And the event playbook changes over time. Started last year was, you know, I remember 2021, it was like, who throws the best virtual events? And that was like the headline event for a person. And it was like, you had to adapt or die. Uh, 2022 was who, you know, IRL is alive, virtual is dead. People want to go to any single IRL event. Fast forward to today, it's there's too many IRL events. I only I want to pick and choose. There are so many events that are not worth people's times because there are 40 events every single week. So for a founder, it's like, or anyone, VC, whatever, you have to pick and choose what's worth going to and what's not worth going to. And that's also like figuring out events side as well. It's like for Brex, we try not to do a lot of happy hours or like 50 person, like 100 person, 200 person events, just because you don't get value out of that. Our hallmark has been these super small, intimate 10 to 20 person dinners we've done like omakase nights like downstairs in my apartment we've done 
tomorrow. Yeah, so in our apartment, uh, common area, like in, you know, like the lounge areas, there's like a really nice table for like 12 people. So we do stuff there. Um, we've, we're doing like an Italian dinner tomorrow, actually, for like 10 people, super small. Everyone there are either like founders who've raised money, like a million plus slash Macy's. We've also just started a series, done two dinners so far in San Francisco, but it's uh, very unique. It's GPs times LPs, which are two populations of tech that are extremely hard to get out. But you combine that with like really good restaurants and really good food and like everyone wants to come out. Um, so it's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting event strategy where you look at, there's so many companies out there outside of Rex that are doing events. You see all of them trying to promote their events, but the big issue is how do you create an event that people actually want to go to? Because I guarantee you, most nobody wants to go to an event where hosted by a company and they just talk about their products or why you should use this for I guarantee you but it's like hey if you s curate a place where it's like you know at Brex it's like we're not talking about Brex 24-7 at these events it's mainly a place for founders to talk to share their experiences and really everything else and help each other out that's the main goal of Brex you know so it's very interesting but that's kind of how we see the ARP and strategy play out gotcha love it love it so if you were to host the ideal perfect event that is super helpful for all the attendees with like some fun activity i'm sure like that's what makes it also a successful night for a lot of individuals um what would be the event that you would host yeah it's a good question and i think it differs city by city you know it's like miami la it's like you know glitzy glamorous versus san francisco it's like less people care about glitzy glamorous and more people care about who they're surrounded by so i think the event playbook a also will change uh city to city but it's like you know being in san francisco kind of the events that you know i want to do are either you know these really kind of similar to what I've been doing now, but like these intimate dinners featuring 20 people where they can all share their experiences. And the goal for these events is, okay, a year later, two years later, they're figuring out ways to work together because that's kind of what networking is about. You know, uh, you know you've know, you gone to events where you've met people that you still talk to, and that's great in terms of networking. I know there's a lot of people who go to events, realize, dude, this was like the biggest waste of time. I didn't meet a single person. I didn't connect with anyone. And then at that point, you know, you're just wasting your time. You go network to create meaningful connections. So in terms of like, as an, someone who does events, it is basically how do you help facilitate that likelihood of someone meeting someone that they're able to connect with for years to come. Right, right. I think you touched on such like an important part, uh, which is networking is not something to be like afraid of. There's like a really bad stigma with the word networking, right? It's like disingenuous. Yeah. It's like um, it's it's all for gain. But the reality of it is if you if you view it as though you're making friends, it's a lot easier to swallow and it's also just more valuable to you as an attendee at an event if you're just going in there to make friends. Um, and that's something that I definitely had to, you know, hop hop over that hurdle. I uh, 
I'm not sure if you have this at UCLA, but I was a member of Alpha Kappa Psi, which is like this business fraternity. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so like part of getting into it is this like networking session. And where a lot of people have a tough time during rush is they view networking as something different than just making friends. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of something that I, I thought about when you were telling us what's so important about these events. Um, and the next big event that you host, I'd love to be there. Yes, sir. Hopefully soon. Um, don't know what the next big event I'll do is, but probably like probably some tech week next year. Okay, perfect. Yeah, what a, what a great note to end the podcast on. Before you go, though, I have the ceremonial ask, which is I need you yeah. to do three things for me, Jonathan. And so it's just a lineup of three questions. The first question, so in the spirit of being new to venture, new to startups in VC, if you were to restart your career, no deep connections, and you have the same knowledge that you have now, what would be your strategy to climb back to this amazing thing that you've built? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's this, you know, your goal, if you had no connections whatsoever, is A, create these connections. But at the same time, it's like, all right, if you're trying to create these connections, why is like a GP going to talk to you? And, the, and right now the answer would be they wouldn't want to talk to you. So your first goal would be figuring out some skill that's super, super valuable, um, whether it be you know, you're great at go-to-market for startups. You're great at helping startups get virality. You're great at um, insert something that is really helpful to startups. You start helping folks. You start helping startups. You start helping VCs. Word spreads around really easily where then, you know, after you help a few companies, they're going to be like, oh, you should chat with this company. Or, hey, you should chat with our investor. They might have some companies for you. And then you start building that initial semblance of, a network and a community it's like the beginning parts of that networking community and as you grow you know a your skills are going to get better you are going to understand the industry a little bit better than when you first started and c you will start meeting more people in venture in startups that could help you land that next gig as a jumping pad into whatever else you want to do well said i i really wish i had that advice a couple of years ago. <laughs> that would have been fantastic for me. Um, the next question is, I'd like you to shout out an investor or a VC that you really admire. Maybe someone who's killing the game right now or someone who has mentored you, helped you grow, someone who's out there putting out good thought pieces. Who's the yeah, first one that really, comes to mind? Yeah, first one that comes to mind would be like, you know, like Eric Bond from Hustle Fund. I followed him early on in my startup career. Um, when I was like breaking into venture. And then I think a year later, I had my first call with him. I've seen him here and there. He helped me get into Shack 15 in San Francisco, which is super, super nice. So I'll see him there. Wait, what is, what uh, is that? You said Shack 15? Yeah, Shack 15's in San Francisco. It's like this really cool co-working space. A lot of VCs co-work out of there. A lot of founders co-work out of there. I didn't know that existed. It's That's awesome. It's in the ferry <laughs> building. So next time you're in San Francisco, let me know. Um, I'll invite you over, but, um, yeah, Eric Bond, I think he's really, really great. He, you know, very similar, you know, he's very similar Asian American, mm -hmm. um, who is probably what, like 10, 15 years older than me. That's someone that mm -hmm. I looked up to because it's like, oh, someone that is, you know, Asian American 
mm-hmm. raising his own fund. Started off super, super small with this very small hustle fund one to now I believe he's like hustle fund three, I think, right now. Wow. Uh, with like right. a big team and a person that founders love mm-hmm. is something that I kind of aspire to be. Oh, I love that. And the last question for you today is to shout out a startup or a scale-up that you think will change the world. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'll shout out a startup that I recently invested in. It's called Smart Roof. I've been writing a lot about the future of living and why our generation, I feel, is going to like live a little bit different than the beginning generations in terms of like how we approach buying properties, how we approach maintenance, how we approach... Um, even living from city to city and moving from city to city. And Smart Roof is really interesting because what they do is, A, they use drones to scan your rooftops for, A, detecting any damages, anything wrong with your rooftops, anything that needs fixing, and B, gives you an, after that, gives you an instant quote to be like, hey, this is how much it costs for you to fix your roof. This is how to fix your roof. Like you click, okay, I want to fix my roof, something like that. They'll send people out to fix it right away. Because um, right now there's no national roofing association. It's like, hey, if I'm in San Francisco, my roof is broken. The people I call, I can't ask you for advice if you're in Miami or Florida or any other place because it's like very mom and pops and very, you know, I have to call them. I have to get a quote with them and all that stuff. And it's very tiring. I don't want to be on a phone with someone. I'm like, I want something instant. And I think they're kind of revolutionizing their product. It's been really interesting. Wow. That sounds like a winner. Yeah. Congrats on the recent yeah, investment. So, and, thank you. And- appreciate it. What a, what a great note to end the pod on. Um, thank yeah. you so much for joining me on the show. Genuinely looking forward to catching up, meeting up in person again, and just seeing all the amazing progress that you'll, uh, you'll make. It was super fun. Thank you for having me. All right, Jonathan. Take care. Thank you.